0: It's taken years and years. Everyone's blessed with one special thing. Thousands of listener requests for more local programming on the weekends on 710 ESPN.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh,
0: your opinion, man. And more cam bros on the radio. You all know exactly who I am. Say my name. And now, after hosting the popular late night happy hour on Twitter during the pandemic,
2: so so successful was the late night happy hour that we already have a spin-off.
0: You, you get fun. to do it on actual radio. We've given the people what they wanted. Say my name. The Kamenetsky brothers have their, their own show. <laughs> Welcome to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with Andy and Brian Kamenetsky. Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! It's fun, it's smart, it's the most fun you can have on a Saturday morning.
1: Um, actually, pretty nice little Saturday.
0: Time for your Saturday Morning Happy Hour. Right Right now. now.
2: Good morning, everybody. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's a Saturday morning, half the hour here on 710 ESPN. Um, a lot of good stuff to talk about today. A lot of good stuff to uh, kick around. We'll have Tanya Ganguly of the LA Times uh, coming up right around 930, Andy. We're not totally sure when she'll be done. It depends a little bit on uh, Lakers' media availability, which in theory is happening right about now from the Orlando bubble. Um, but Here's what it comes you know, down, yester- down to. Yesterday, we'll- a little late. Will Vogel and Dwight Howard, the
3: two scheduled people today, are they going to babble? Like, if the two of them babble, then Tanya might be late. If the two of them, you know, stick to the important stuff, don't ramble, don't get in love with the sound of their own voice. Which, by the way, we know Frank Vogel loves to do. I mean, uh, that guy. These love well, these for, guys.
2: These guys. If, they, if there's anything that they miss, it's talking to the media, and so they well, just but, drone but in on. particular
3: too. I mean, Frank Vogel. If there's ever been like a a bigger diva in professional sports, and particularly yeah. among the coaching ranks, just mm-hmm. somebody that loves to make it all about them more than Frank Vogel. Well. Uh, 877-710-ESPN. <laughs> I, I want to know who and, that look person guys, is.
2: Like we all, okay, Clay Helton, fine. But other than that, <laughs> other than those two guys. Um, so, like, you know, when, when uh, we're, we're, we're aiming for around 9.30 with Tanya, um, but that could be a little bit flexible depending on on what the Lakers are doing. Um, and then from there, at 10.30, Amy Trask, um, Raider, for Raiders executive, now with CBS, she is a Great person to have on today, not just because of the uh, the news around Daniel Snyder and the Redskins and the sexual harassment story that was published this week by the Washington Post, but also the nickname change uh, coming from Washington and a lot of news related to the re- to the not the restart of, of. I'm so used to it, Andy. The restart of like they've all shut down. The NFL is like the only one that didn't actually shut down. Because uh, they haven't started yet, so the start of the NFL season and what would go into that. Um, camps are set to open. Full training camps are set to open uh, by the end of the month, and rookie camps in some cities scheduled to open this weekend. Um, so there's work to be done on the NFL. Feels side. ambitious. It does. Feels not, ambitious. Are not? Maybe not fully prepared. Uh, not everybody necessarily on the same page. Well, so we'll get into that with Amy Trask. <laughs> I feel uh, better about this team
3: with very few rookies. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a good year like,
2: not to have that.
3: Yeah, leave it home. You're, good, D- good to be a team people. like you know. Uh, I don't, I don't remember exactly how many the Rams had, but you know, they, they in the past they've traded away picks. Like if you're a team that traded any, they, away,
2: they didn't start with it's. It's a bunch of third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh right. round picks that so, aren't expected to contribute very much.
3: But they, they were very forward thinking on this. Well.
2: Run. It's interesting, you know. We've we've talked to a few people, um, whether on this show, whether on the late night happy hour, uh, which of course you can hear uh, Monday through Friday on ESPN Los Angeles. There's, there is, I think, a growing sentiment around the league that younger players, free agents, whatever it might be, just won't be able to contribute very much this year. Like if you have a a first round pick who's a wide receiver, you know, which is a, 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 a position that typically Andy takes a little time to learn. You don't see a ton more now than you used to, but you don't see a ton of wide receivers come in and just crush it instantly. It's, it takes a little time, quarterback, linebacker, just all these positions where you really have to learn a lot of nuance. This may not be the year to do it. And, you know, for the Rams, it's, it's. I don't want to call it a throwaway year. There is no such thing as a throwaway year in the NFL, but it was going to be a transition year, I think, regardless. As they try to restructure this roster, you're know, losing Corey Littleton, they've lost a ton of uh, defensive backs. They've lost people on the line, they, a defensive line. They've lost linebackers. Todd Gurley is gone. They, they didn't necessarily replace a lot of these players with free agents. It was going to be a, a, a difficult season as it is. It's not the worst year for them to have to kind of transition like this because the stadium probably won't be open, which is, you know, sucks for LA, but, you know, it, it changes the dynamic uh, of the season for sure. And, you know, people are going to be talking about other stuff. Like there was ever a year to go nine and seven, this is it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I... what they want. I'm just saying like, you if you have no, but I mean, but this, this roster, has been a ta- yeah, this has been a talking
3: point you've had for a while, and I just don't agree with you. Um A because I don't think the team was quite as bad or quite as unremarkable as I think sometimes you position them as. I also, I also think too that you know as the year went along in the second half last year, particularly along the offensive line, you started seeing more signs of stability. And sure. I think for better or for worse, and we'll see what that answer is. But I do think there's a potential for better not having Todd Gurley in there with that situation going on whether you think the the issue was Gurley's you know lack of explosion and you know his body breaking down whether you think it was Sean McVay not trusting him misusing him whatever you think the issue was you and I were around that team last year and it was the growing elephant in that locker room and it was it, 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 i don't
2: know it, how i don't know how much it mattered
3: but oh it, i think it, it was uncomfortable it was uncomfortable, but I think, though, it mattered in terms of execution. And I think it mattered in terms of either self-limiting or feeling limitations in terms of what you can do. And I think for better or for worse, that's not going to be an issue no, I mean, anymore you moving re- forward. You have
2: to replace the productivity that Gurley provided when he was Gurley. Um, because otherwise... You know, there. It remains to be seen whether or not Jared Goff can be a really effective quarterback without a really effective running game. That is and true. And so that is true. You know, that and then the bigger issue is defensively. I I I think that McVeigh learned to adjust to what defenses were doing to him. They ran more to tight end personnel. They did a lot of different stuff that they never did. Um, when the offense was really humming, you know, a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl and the adjustments that were made, McVay received some criticism about not adjusting back. They did some of that. Um, you know, Gerald Everett it was was made a bigger part of the lineup. Um, you know, they, they used their tight ends more. The wide receiving core is still very good. I'm less worried about the offense than I am about what they do on the other side of the ball. They lost a ton of talent they over did. the last year or so. They, and I just, they, and it was, it was an unreal, I'm not saying they were bad last year, they weren't, but they were, they were an unremarkable team that is at least on paper less talented now than they were last year. And well, I mean, so much intangibles can make up for that.
3: I, I don't think they're going to be counting on intangibles. I think they have to count on talent. I think they have to count on guys like you know Taylor Rapp taking a step forward. I, I mm-hmm. could imagine that he's going to end up being used at, at times almost like a hybrid linebacker because he's you know he's a hitter and he's a guy that really likes to get down yeah. you know into the into the yeah, muck John, like John, that. John
2: Johnson comes back. John Johnson's really great good. Their safety combination. I, I mean, there are places where they're very strong.
3: Right, and you know it's funny for all of. For all of the, the presence of a guy like Aaron Donald or you know somebody like Corey Littleton, who's now on the Raiders this year, no matter who they've had, the Rams have struggled containing the run. Like That's been an issue for them the last few years. So uh-huh. in some ways, it may come down to just the schemes that they're using, and maybe they become different this year without Wade Phillips. I'm not saying it was Wade Phillips' fault. I'm just saying maybe certain changes that happen ultimately end up more important than the personnel, because in theory, at least on paper, the personnel was there to do better stopping the run than they've had the last couple of years. And for whatever reason,
2: the success hasn't been there. Well, we'll see what happens. Your I mean, your you're linebacking core. You know, what does Micah Kaiser do? Is Troy Reader a it's starter? Very, like, you know, very unestablished. What, you're right. What do you get? What do you get out of Leonard Floyd, who's been obviously quite inconsistent? Sure. You know, Flip side
3: just, though is Corey Littleton was a guy that nobody believed in not that long ago.
2: That's true. You know, and they you know they they lost some some you know important depth players. It's just it is the, the financial choices that they've made in terms of paying Gurley, in terms of paying Brandon Cooks, in terms of doing all these different things, um, hurt them. And, you know, you have to pay your quarterback, and I understand that. And, you know, I'm I'm still – I'm not anti-Goff. I I think he's a good quarterback. I just don't – I am still Goff skeptical. Uh, (laughs) If that's a thing, like, sure, you know, on my dating profile or whatever it would be, I'm still Goff skeptical. And – Ironically, so are a lot of
3: people that would be looking at your profile about you.
2: Yes, no, with cause. <laughs> yes. Swipe <laughs> left, people. I understand. I don't take it personally. Um, but, you know, I, I, I it's, it is a season in which they have less talent than they did. It's a season in which their cap makes it very difficult for them to, uh, to maneuver. And, you know, who knows? Some of the, the challenges that the rest of the league is facing, all of them collectively, and trying to figure out how to navigate this stuff, where you might not get this much practice time and maybe it doesn't look this maybe that becomes kind of an equalizer similar to a shortened baseball season you know when you you know maybe this mitigates some of the strengths of the 49ers and the Seahawks in the division i'm not sure we don't know what the rules are yet we'll talk about that later in the show but the rams the rams might benefit from things that bring the rest of the league sure Bad teams Look, run, if, you, teams if, you, can, if you can find ways to utilize,
3: you know, common disadvantages across the league, that's just being smart. And, you know, people yeah. consider Sean McVay to be a very smart coach. I happen to think he's a smart coach. You know, it'll be interesting to just seeing certain things like, you know, Brandon Cooks is not with the team. And, you know, a couple of years ago they brought in Sammy Watkins. You know, the, these guys who have been brought in to theoretically stretch the field for Jared Goff, have not had the type of impact that they've hoped for, and well, you know when they brought when they brought in somebody like Van Jefferson, for example. You know the the scouting reports that I saw, you know because I I don't follow college football inside and out, but it sounded a lot of it like he was similar to a Cooper Cup or to a Robert Woods, right? He's a possession guy, right? And it got me wondering, just like okay, maybe they're, maybe they're starting to recognize ultimately that those type of receivers. Are the ones that golf thrives with the most, and th- and that they actually bring out the most in golf, as opposed to uh, a field stretcher that, for whatever reason, doesn't bring out the type of well, effect.
2: Well, I think I think the value of cooks, though, we will we'll, you know, some more stuff we can cover as we go along. The value of cooks is what he does to open up the field for. No, I understand Robert Woods and Cooper cover those I get guys, that. and Josh and Josh Reynolds can do. I think the argument is, can Josh Reynolds do that? At At like a hundredth, eighth of the the price, exactly. (laughs) Um, If you're not going to get a lot of downfield production necessarily from cooks, can you get the same out of Josh Reynolds at less less cost and you know use that money somewhere else? And Reynolds has shown he's a pretty decent guy, you know, pretty decent receiver with some potential. But now again, he's got to step up and be significantly more. uh, Played well last year when he got the opportunity. He did. did. Um, All right. So next, though, Andy, um, I have done a 180 on the NBA bubble. I'll explain that next. Brian Kamenetzky, Andy Kamenetsky Saturday Morning Happy Hour, 710 ESPN.
0: This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. But now, yeah,
1: I'm thinking I'm
0: back with the Cambros. <laughs> oh,
2: whoa. Coughing fits. <laughs> Saturday morning Saturday. happy hour. Something about Saturdays, Andy. <laughs> <Woo>! Kamenetsky <laughs>
3: brothers, Andy Kamenetsky, uh Brian Kamenetsky, uh having a coughing wow. fit. We're watching okay. each other on Zoom right now. I, I'm watching my brother <clears throat> not being able I'm to breathe. It. And, I, and I'm just – I'm helpless. I yeah. can't do anything about it. And the other problem is it's sort of funny. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, I'm torn and,
2: between concern and – it's hilarious. And you're probably sitting there going, how many people have to die before you get my money? All of it. <laughs> you're like, uh, fine, it probably goes to the wife and children first. But that's one less. Honestly? Before I get, before I get I, that those Kamenetsky riches. I, I was
3: going to say, I am unfortunately painfully aware of exactly what you make. <laughs> Yeah. so that was not the first thing that crossed my mind <laughs> as I like to as I like to tell my wife <laughs> the takeover I'm, of your estate Brian was not the yes, first thing that came into my
2: mind it is it is it is it is not necessarily true that I'm worth more alive to my <laughs> wife than dead which which is always an uncomfortable position to be in as a, as a spouse um, but um, all right so the NBA bubble Andy for a long time, we were in a, a place where it's like, should we be going to this? Should we be doing this? Like, you know, Florida. Does anybody, who, who volunteers to go to Florida right now? How is that a good idea? Um, but the more I look at this thing, the more I've decided that, you know, aside from the I'd miss my wife, miss my children thing, if I, I want to be around other human beings and be safe at the same time, the disney bubble in orlando florida is probably the safest place in america right now
3: sure feels that way i mean they've they've really got this thing down in terms of the execution of it so far and the seriousness seriousness with which they're taking it and you know for for all the jokes about the the snitch hotline and you know the controversies about whether or not dwight howard should have gotten reported for being seen on campus you know apparently with nobody around him not wearing a mask and you know when right, asked having about
2: this, tested having repeatedly tested negative right. negative for COVID.
3: and when asked about this frank vogel's response was we're told to wear masks he should be wearing a mask he will be wearing a mask and that that type of seriousness and that type of attitude among all the people there and, you know, the the knowledge that if you break the rules even slightly, you know, slightly going over the border, if you're Rashawn Holmes to get your Postmates and you end up back in quarantine, there's a very strong chance that that could that that sort of execution is going to make this thing work. And by definition, keep people safe while they're in there.
2: Right. I mean, it's and, actually yeah. the
3: reason that I that I, I know you and I debated this back and forth. I I always knew that the NBA, you know, as as much as this was getting worse around the country and people were worried about the viability, it was very obvious their plan was or their hope was we just want to get everyone inside this thing. Mm -hmm. And we feel like if we can get everybody inside the thing and hopefully we don't have too many positive tests among players or staff leading up to that point which thankfully the nba has not had too many reasonably you know, reasonably
2: controlled sure right and once and, tr- and they have a procedure for people who who test positive and they come in they delay then they come in and then they take extra right. tests and they're there like there are there are rules but but their hope was once we get people inside
3: this campus we're going to be able to control it and and thus far that's been the case
2: it's um it it, it And look, it's barely been, you know, a week and a half. Like guys are just, you know, this week was the first full week for a lot of teams um, out of their quarantine, you know, initial thing, where everybody was taking the pictures of the bad food and this and that. And people seem to have settled down. And now, you know, Ben Simmons is fishing every day and we're getting NBA bubble life and all this other stuff. There's a long way to go, a very long way to go. And, you know, it's, I think it's either going to get super normalized relatively quickly, and you know the 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 bubble content that we we really all love is going to guys are going to get tired of posting it away, or everyone's going to get exceedingly strange. Like it's going to get really weird down there um, as the you know the the metaphorical walls kind of close in on people. But like we were talking about this during the week, Andy. And a few people have written about it. Harrison Fagan wrote about it on on Silver Screen Roll, and you know we we've talked about it a little bit on the on the Happy Hour. There are certain guys for whom I think, aside from leaving family behind, this is actually great. LeBron James doesn't have to travel. He doesn't have to put his body through that. He doesn't have to land at three in the morning in a city after a game and you know do another two hours of treatment and throw up. This is a guy who likes routine. He can get into a schedule, body maintenance, practice, go back, do whatever. And, like, like, this is ideal for him. And, plus, from a stress standpoint, he can go wherever he wants around the bubble and he's with his peers and no one's going to be pulling on him or asking him for autographs or demanding his time. Like, this is kind of good for him. It could be kind of good for a lot of these guys. I
3: mean, they're, they're the most famous people – you know, the most the, the biggest stars among the stars down in the bubble in a lot of ways. I'm sure this is like their idea of utopia, you know, just mm-hmm. the, the idea of having a lot of different options at your fingertips. I mean, again, you'd prefer that your family be there. You prefer, you know, the you'd prefer to have the most members of your inner circle and your friends and that sort of stuff around. But given where we are right now. This is the best you know, possibility for that. And in the meantime, th- there are some advantages to it. And in a lot of ways, I imagine it is pretty relaxing for him and pretty enjoyable. Oscar uh, wants to weigh in on the bubble right now on the Saturday morning happy hour. Oscar, how are
4: you? Good morning. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Mark. Happy Saturday to you guys. Mark? Who the hell's hey, Mark. Mark? What was that? Andy. Who the no, hell's no. Mark? No, no. Andy. I said Mark. Yeah, yeah, that's sorry, okay. Sorry, Andy, <laughs> forgive me. Oscar, I'll be honest. I I've always wanted to guys. host with someone else. Hey, I'm I'm very happy you guys are on the air. Listen, the past the past couple of years, when the morning show would go out and do remember, remotes, remote, they would go to restaurants and all that and do the remotes, when you guys would cover, and I would be there at the remotes, and I would tell your bosses, you gotta get you gotta get the brothers more airtime, and you guys would be like, yeah, yeah, listen to him or whatever. So I'm so glad. That you guys have your own show now. Very happy. You guys are very bright when it comes to sports. Thank you. And, um, I hope you uh, end up getting even uh, uh, more time and a better uh, slot
2: too. Um, uh, Rebecca, say. what can we do to patch Oscar into Bristol? Can, can we? Do we have like a three-way party line that we have for that? Can we do this? Because Oscar, I I don't think we've ever heard a better caller than Oscar, Andy. he's a very oh. smart man. Well, I love you guys. You guys are great.
4: So, uh. Okay, wait, wait, Oscar, and wait. Being, and I'm being honest. So, well, enough of that, right? Enough of that. Uh, no, no,
3: no, no. Not, not enough about that, Oscar. No, not, I,
4: yeah. Hold on. We'll, we'll let you get <laughs> you guys, to your point. And Brian, no, so, it, uh, when you first came on, Andy, you had talked about, uh, the bubble and, uh, how they're going to be talking and how coach, uh, Frank Vogel was going to be, you know, he loves the sound of his voice. And I think that was so funny because it's true. I mean, you can ask the guy anything he'll answer. If you ask him, hey, what do you think about uh, the between McDonald's and Jaguar Box?" he'll give you 20 minutes of an answer on, <laughs> on what he thinks. But it's true. He, he talks a lot. And I hope the players, I know they're going to have a open mic. Uh, uh, I hope they do speak on Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, that they were supposed to. That's the whole point. But uh, also, you know, to keep it within basketball. And like you said, not to love the sound of the boys, right? but to not to ramble off,
3: but to be able to be uh, a <laughs> professional about all that. Be- uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, Frank Vogel definitely, the, those guys listen to him. They really respect him. And we we've seen from LeBron down, the relationship between those players and Vogel is really strong. And, you know, he is a very good listener to them. I mean, it's something that we've heard a lot from the players throughout the season that, you know, Vogel takes in what they have to say. He's a very collaborative guy in general. It's one of the reasons why the idea of uh, Jason Kidd, you know very much being put on his staff, you know by the organization as opposed to Frank Vogel having lobbied for him didn't bother him because he had already he had always said he wanted a lot of different voices on his staff. He wanted NBA experience, you know, somebody like uh, a Jason Kidd who's a Hall of Famer and has won a championship and has yeah. a great relationship with LeBron. It's, it's the type of guy that he wanted. We're, we're up against it, Oscar, but hang on. Stay yeah, on the line when we well, let you last, go.
5: One last
4: comment. Okay, real quick, real quick. Before, real quick, before we used to be uh, going against people being injured, now we got to cha- have two challenges, players being injured and also the COVID. So it's a little bit tougher to win it this year for that reason. But thanks, guys. Wait, wait, wait.
3: Oscar, stay on the line. Stay there. Because you, by virtue of having a strong call and more importantly, wanting more of us, you just won a new small star. Uh, And on May 15th, the 2020 NBA edition small stars were launched, including uh, there's a LeBron James, there's an Anthony Davis, a Kawhi Leonard, 12-inch tall, collectible figurines. They're really coolly styled uh, by Terry Smith. You're going to oh, love this thing. Gosh. We're, we're going to yeah, give so, you a, an Anthony I think, Davis. I think,
2: yeah, an Anthony oh, Davis. But you. if it's not thank Anthony, you, it'll be a LeBron.
3: Thank One man. of those two. So yeah, stay, that. yeah, absolutely. Stay on the line. One or the other. Stay on the line because um, Rebecca's going to
2: get your information. All right? All right. Thanks, Willie. Take care. alright Uh right. 877-710-ESPN, if you have uh, other things you want to weigh in on in terms of the bubble, in terms of that, we're uh, I believe Lakers media is still going. So we'll catch up to Tanya Ganguly probably in about, you know, 15 or so minutes. Um, but, you know, we'll, let's stick on this for a little bit, Andy, because I, I do think it actually, you know, Oscar was talking about how the, the challenges in front of the Lakers in terms of trying to win a title under these circumstances. Um, what we're talking about with LeBron, I think benefits them for the positive, and we'll explain that next. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's the Saturday morning happy hour, 710 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. It was between the brothers, game. This It's the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN.
2: So, a memo, Andy, went out to uh, every NFL team today and the NFL PA regarding training camps. They are expected to open on time, rookies, July 21st, which is like like what is that Tuesday or something uh, with a couple, couple teams I think are opening up a little earlier. Yeah. Today's the 18th though. Yeah. So the 21st is Tuesday. Um, all rookie camps open by Tuesday, the, uh, July 23rd, which is Thursday. Quarterback show up and then all other players on the 28th, which is a week from Tuesday, a lot of work to do there. Houston and Kansas city opening up this weekend with their rookies. Um, we'll talk about that with Amy Trask at 10 30. Um, Stay on this bubble thing for a few minutes. Uh, Tanya Ganguly is doing Lakers media right now. She'll join us when that's done, probably around 10 o'clock. She's down in the bubble. Yeah, She's in the bubble. She we're, we're going to communicate from somebody inside the bubble. And speaking of the bubble, is Harold still there? Harold from North Hollywood? Harold from North Hollywood is mad at us. So,
5: uh, Harold, what's up? Um, yeah, I'm not mad, fellas. I think you got a good show. I'm glad you guys are together. Thank you, thank you. But, but, but we, we were told you were mad, Harold. I'm. I'm just relaying. You know, I'm not what mad. We were I like to see basketball, but who said the bubble is the best place to be? That, that's totally mm-hmm. ridiculous. That's just you guys are promoting
2: because you need it as need as choice. opposed to where. But no no, but as that, opposed to where. I
5: mean, with the, with the virus.
2: No, nobody's saying the NBA isn't saying Harold that it's. And this is an important point. I, I appreciate you making it. The NBA even isn't saying that this is 100. percent foolproof that nothing can go wrong and all that. I mean, look, Florida particular, like the 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 area surrounding this bubble is really, I mean, it's exploding with virus. And you know that and, and everybody else does as well. But right. the question is if you're going to try and if you're going to set it up and you do it, this, at least by my understanding of what it looks like, you know, from the information that's available, is as safe a way as you could do it. And, you know, and it's at enormous expense. It's an enormous heavy lift. It requires almost endless testing. And it gives you an idea of the scope of what it means to try to play sports. But it's as safe, I think, a plan as you can come up with to try to finish a season, short of, you know, moving the thing to Canada, which it, is what the NHL has done.
3: It, it's important also, too, Harold, and then we'll, we'll let you respond. To, to- yeah. thank you. It's, it's important to recognize, too, that the NBA has acknowledged that there is a chance that they could end up having to shut this thing down. You know, that there is a chance that COVID could end up breaching the bubble and that enough players could test positive that this thing could end up getting shut down before October. I mean, they, they have acknowledged that as a possibility. The NBA hasn't been making, you know, guarantees or promises that would put them in a position where they can't cash those checks.
5: I understand. Here's another thing that bothers me. There are people. Out About us or
3: the bubble? <laughs> you
5: know, the bubbles, no, that's okay. I'm not arguing. I'm just trying to say this. No, no it's great. I'm actually sure. in a bunker by yourself, Look, a lot, of the Americans, a lot of American people cannot even get the shot. They, get, they have to wait hours to get it in lines and hot weather. And then you got to wait se- eight, seven to eight days to mm-hmm. get the result. Now, how, how, many, how many? These guys are taking shot after shot after This is where the big money talks these guys are taking shots and shots when the american people need those shots also and they're not being able to get them and how 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 long does it take for them to get the results so then then, harold
3: do you harold do you you object to to an attempt to playing sports in general like do you 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 just think that it's It's, inappropriate to be trying it
5: no it's the principle you realize you watch the news how many americans are trying to get shots And these guys are getting shots every single day. And how long does it take? You know, if you don't get a shot and results in the seven to 10 days, you could, which is what's happening, you could, between that time, you can come up with the virus and you wouldn't even know it.
2: And I think, think, Harold, the the point, right, the point you're making. I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off for of there, but well, I did yeah, a little bit. but that's all right. <laughs> but I think the point you're making, Harold, is is it going And you know when you talk about shots, I mean, I, th- I think you mean sort of the the testing procedures, and the ability to I'm get sorry. a test. That's right it's crazy. okay right. and 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 um, the ability to have the results of that test return. And what is really interesting about that, it's a great point you're making, is that part of the reason the NBA waited to come up with a restart plan, to figure out how they were going to do what they were doing is because if you remember, um, you know, four or five, six, you know, six, seven, 10 weeks ago, whatever it was, there was a legitimate shortage of tests. Nobody could seem to get them. And the NBA was very concerned about the optics of what it would look like because they knew the scale of testing that it would take, um, to do this. And the NBA was very concerned that it, they couldn't do a situation. They, they couldn't have, Testing on the scale they needed until the rest of America could. And what happened in the interim between um, coming up with this plan and actually getting to Orlando to execute it is we had this resurgence in virus. And you're right. There is a difference between what the NBA is able to do with their testing and their turnaround and their labs and how they do it and you know Molly Knight wrote a great article in uh, on the athletic about you know going to Dodger Stadium and getting tested there she got her tests very quickly you read stories all the time about people can't get their results for a week 5 days 10 days whatever it might be and in that space you're right Harold a lot of things can happen i actually think this is a real legitimate problem not just for the nba but for every sport because of this context change where the virus is surging and the testing that we need you know the capacity has to catch up to this in a way that we weren't expecting a month ago. It's a let really me ask good you, point you're making.
3: Yeah. And, and along those lines, Harold, let me ask you this, because everything you're saying is correct in terms of the inequities of the way people can find out their test results in, in the availability and the access and all that. That's all true. At the cool. same time, there really is no responsible way to try to bring back any of these leagues without having that type of testing access for the players and for the support staffs, coaches, all of that. Like, you can't responsibly bring back, uh, bring back sports without that access. With that in mind, do you remain okay with sports, you know, attempting to be relaunched? And if you are okay with it, how do you sort of square that circle? You, do you understand what I'm asking you?
5: Yes, and you know where I would come from with that? Let's make it fair, not just for sports and athletes, Let's make it fair for the American population, the fans who come out to see these games. Shut it down. Shut everything down. I know you guys need to promote. I hear all these stations, everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. I hear the other guys, uh, Mason, I'm going to the games and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. If you have to make an even playing field and money talks in this country, big time, then shut it down for 2020 uh, and get everybody tested. If, if this was done properly, we wouldn't be in the position we are today about the bubble. And let's get everybody on board. And we need this. And we—I mean—I listen to sports talk, and it's the same thing every day. You guys have to find something to say. And it's, just, it's you know—it's almost exactly what Joe says, and then Jim says on sports talk. And I understand that, but for the good of this country, I mean, we really let's, let's shut it it's down and let's see if we can just restart this college. Also, and I'm a big UCLA Blue fan let's shut it down for the rest of this 2020 year. And, and to see see, we can get this thing under control because it's been, it's not been handled very well. And it starts, I'm not getting into the It starts at the top and we screwed it up big time. And the American people got to get up and start screaming. I, I, I don't like it. I'm not going to take it anymore because they're taking it in the shorts with this pandemic. And look, yeah. you uh, can shut, shut off, uh, uh, shove away all these 140,000 plus that have passed away. That's a big Thank God! I hope you don't, and I don't have anybody that I know that's passed away from it. But this is bad. This is bad. This country has done the worst job, and I have to get off my chest in the world because we didn't lock down like we should have. We're selfish. We're spoiled. Let's do it right. Let's shut it down and try to get under control. Harold,
2: sports, so be it. It's a a great point you're making, and and stick on the line. And and this is the stay on the line because I think we have a we can we can uh, have a small star that we can. Send to you Shoot. as well, um, either LeBron or AD. I, I, to be honest, I've lost count of where we are in giving them away, but um, that's oh, one or the other. Um, yeah, it's, a but, call, the really it's a great call, Harold. We really appreciate you uh, checking in with us. And yeah, you know, am I off re- the air now? Nope. Uh, we'll we'll take it. you. You're going to be, <laughs> um, but but don't <laughs> hang up. Just don't hang up. Rebecca will get you. Um, it's it's an interesting. It's just, this is the this is the context, Andy, that sports is trying to come back in. And there's really no way around it. There's no good way to answer the question. If you want sports to come back, it has to, like you say, has to be done under these circumstances with this massive amount of testing. And it is in contrast to what is available. It's much easier to get a test now than it was three months ago. There's no question. But people still have to wait. In some places, they still have to wait. And it's it's, it's not as easy
3: or efficient as it should be by now.
2: As it should be, or as I think people thought it would be when sports started again. And this is the context, and there's no way around it. And everybody, I think, has to kind of square it. Uh, Tiny Ganguly is going to come up uh, in about 15 minutes, live from the bubble, hashtag bubble life. Um, but I, we did a great call from Harold, but we didn't actually get a chance to talk a little bit about LeBron. Uh, and what this bubble means to him and therefore means to the Lakers. Because, you know, Andy, what's good for LeBron? It's good for the Lakers. We'll do that next. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, Saturday morning happy hour, 710 ESPN.
0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. Unfortunately, he discovered too late that hermano in Spanish meant brother. Live and local on 710, now Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 a.m. after Dr. Clapper. Oh, do you think so, doctor? This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN.
2: Nice pull, Rebecca. This is an underrated beatles song i don't i mean there aren't many, but like I, this and it charted it's not like this this song never made it like anywhere but like i think this just doesn't this lady madonna does not get enough love when people talk about great beatles songs that's all i'm saying Lots lot to choose from i could be
3: mistaken and i'm looking it up and i'm going to correct myself if i am but i actually think that lady madonna never appeared on a beatles album like, I think it actually it was, was just put, a single. It was, it,
2: was a, it was a single that was put on, like, a B-side of something off of uh, Let It Be, I believe. And then that, that it, ended could, up, but, it, it ended up on Hey Jude, which was not actually an album.
3: Right. And I'm saying that could, if you believe that Lady Madonna's underrated, could it in part explain why the idea that it's just
2: not formally a part of any of their albums. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll have to figure this out because it's a good one. Um, all right. Um, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's the Saturday morning happy hour. Uh, it was released as a mono single backed with the inner light, which is a weird tune in yeah. March of 1968. That song's properly rated. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> that was them <laughs> screwing around with sitars. Yeah. What if we try this? Um, yeah. And it ended up, and like I was right, it ended up on Hey Jude, um, which was not actually really an album. No, Um no. So very good. There you go. Um, Rick in, I don't know, somewhere out there has uh, you're on with the Kaminski brothers. We're talking about testing and the pandemic bubble and all that. Yeah. Good morning. Um,
1: first of all, if you're on from nine to
2: 11, you can't be a happy hour. You could be happy hours, but not happy hour. We figure people uh, from we 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 thought the grammar people might be out after us. But we were. We thought maybe yeah. people would be hungover from. Running.
3: Actually, actually, I, as somebody who bartended for years and bartended during happy hour, happy hours, they were pretty much all plural. So I, yeah. I, I got to call BS on that one. I, I believe we can get away with the plural. I, I'm, I'm an expert.
2: So you're saying okay. we should change the name of the show, like Rick is suggesting? No, I'm saying we're fine. Okay. I think ours is plural, not uh, ours. But, <laughs> I think I think Rick is correct there. I'm totally yeah, but, confused, but go ahead, yeah, Rick. This is not why you called, correct, Rick?
1: <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I think it's obscene that the NBA is uh, going forward in Florida um, because obviously the, the Floridians could use whatever resources are being uh, taken away from the regular state uh, apparatus. And I don't think the NBA just kind of like uh, kind of the way I look at it, I don't think in April, the NBA would have moved the season to New York. And in essence, that's what they're doing now. They're finding the hottest spot in the entire world. I think Miami by right now, by the way, is, is deemed to be the hottest spot in the entire world, and that's where they've decided to undertake uh, the season. I think it's obscene that they would take away testing resources away from the general populace, and if, in fact, they do that, what I, I what I would think would make sense is if it's coming from the league, it, they sh- the league should do it. If it's coming from the individual teams, they should buy – the testing resources and if they're going to use it in Florida they should at for example at Staples center they should have testing provided by or
2: paid for and by the is, team and this is this is an interesting thing that you're talking about and i'd be i'd be lying if i said i knew exactly what the dynamic is but what you're talking about is actually something that like we we talked we mentioned before the nba was very concerned about and this this gets into a really interesting question of like what exactly does private mean and capacity mean and all that because like the NBA is doing all of this privately they're not taking government resources to do their testing like they're paying for all of these things they have individual labs to do it but obviously you know if there's a finite amount of capacity I, I, I doubt the 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 labs that the NBA using are using it's maybe not their only customers that maybe slows down. Other results, or I don't know exactly what the mechanics are, and I believe that the NBA is contributing to testing in other places. But I think the biggest point that you're making is that, Rick, is that if 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 this is what if they knew it was going to be like this when they relaunched, would they have done it? And I think it's a fascinating. they, They can't go back and say, "No, we wouldn't have." They're too far down the road. But it's a really interesting question. Because you remember, Rick, it wasn't, so, they they chose Florida when Florida was a relatively low, uh, a low spot for the virus. And it's since exploded, as opposed to Las Vegas or other places, because they thought it would be the easiest and safest place to do it. And well, remember, too, uh,
3: really quickly, uh, when when they were debating Las Vegas as a potential possibility, that's around when their mayor basically started offering up Las Vegas as like a human Petri dish, like, like literally thinking, like Right. Like everybody come here. We don't care. We're not going to make restrictions. We want everyone. And that I think that I can't imagine that that did not, in part, eliminate Las Vegas as a potential as a potential spot. And Florida, you know, like Brian said, Rick, at the
2: time seemed better. So So, let me ask you this, Rick, before you start, like what the NBA is sort of already down the road. But the NFL, for example, hasn't started yet, and that you know, you talk about the level of testing that will require to to play with larger rosters and bigger staffs. Would you, at this point, just say no? It's it's not worth it. It's not. It's sort of inequitable in that way.
1: Yeah. Well, the, I I don't understand football conceptually how that works at all. Period.
2: Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't. Do it. Neither do we. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't see how you have guys banging against each other literally, and how you 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 somehow you're going to safely play it without uh, causing the virus to spread makes no sense to me. And you're also talking about much greater numbers, larger rosters. It, 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 it I just don't understand it. And I certainly don't understand it in college to the extent that college plays that. I don't think more. it's going to happen
3: yeah. in college, Rick. I, yeah. I, I at this um, point, I don't think it will.
2: And thank, At least, that's at that's least, least not in it, the fall. It, it's, it is. I, I, most schools I think are starting. We're going to see a lot of that, A lot more of that this week is, you know, a lot of schools, conferences, putting off sports until the spring at the very least. Uh, it's a great call, Rick. Thank you so much for for calling in and, and listening uh, on the show. Stay around for Amy Trask at 1030. We'll talk a lot about these questions with the NFL that you were mentioning. Um, I think, Andy, Tony Ganguly is good to go yeah. for 10 a.m. Uh, yep. So we'll do that next. Get some news inside the bubble. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's the Saturday morning. Happy hours. Danny, <laughs> SPN. <laughs>